Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast this week. We are excited to dive into this episode because we haven't yet had a conversation about it here, and it is about discussing how you decide to go hybrid or in person or virtual only for your event. And this is a very timely topic, and we have a great discussion coming up for you, so stay tuned, and here we go. Welcome to the Better Events Podcast. Join two event strategists, Logan Clements and Mary Davidson, who believe we can all create, host, and attend better events. In this podcast, you will learn about event strategy and actions that you can use today as an event host, planner, or manager. Hear directly from the people who are creating innovative and inspiring events today and tomorrow, and grow your business along the way. Now, let's get started, and thanks for listening to the Better Events Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Better Events Podcast. This is Mary Davidson, one of your co-hosts, and joined by Logan Clements, our other co-host, and we are excited to be with you this week. And once again, we have our question that we're going to start off with. So, Logan, hello, and what would you do if you had one more hour in the day? What would you do at that time? I'm going to answer that specifically for today. (laughs) What would I do if I had one more hour in today's day? I would probably use it to sit outside and get some fresh air because I will say that when I get busy, that is the first and I'm, I'm in the middle of some events right now. So fresh air and walks outside, especially when it's not raining and it's nice here in Seattle are, are rare at times um, in the sense that I usually forget about it until it's already dark out and cold. So I would go on a walk with an extra hour in my day. How about you, Mary? What would you do with one more hour in your day? I would also say probably go outside. It's a form of exercise. I usually exercise indoors no matter what. And so if I could just like, like you're saying, remember to go outside, I would, I want to take advantage of that while we can over here. So I would probably say that or do laundry, nothing like as fun, but I I need to do my laundry. So that would help me today specifically. Um, So that would be important. I have to say, this is digressing, just like a quick moment. I was listening to a podcast today and they were saying that um, adults on an average, spend like 11 minutes outside per day during a work day. Because if you think about it, if you don't live in a big city and you're driving places, you think you're outside, but really you're actually still inside the car. So it's like you walk inside the grocery store that takes 30 seconds. And it's just like, so really you're not outside very much at all, unless you make an effort to be outside. And that spoke to me. So now I feel like we, we need to get outside more while we can. Yes. That was like one of my best things for kind of recharging and things was just going on walks. And I try to keep that on my calendar every day. But the last last couple of days, I feel like I've gotten to it when it's dark out, which is just not as fun than as yeah. walking in the sunshine, especially with all the fall, the, the smell of fall in the air. <laughs> the smell of pumpkin spice in the air. <laughs> A little bit of that. Yeah. Well, I'm excited, really excited about today's topic because um, we're talking about hybrid or in-person only. How do you decide? And this came up just because I've been walking several clients through this process or I've either been privy to the, I've been on the side part of it because I was taking care of the virtual aspect and there were clients who were thinking about doing something heavily in person with a limited virtual aspect. But because of the Delta variant with COVID, with uncertainty of just what everyone's comfort level is. So not even if cases are spiking, it's now, are you the host comfortable, but are your guests even comfortable of having to help them 
and experienced the complete switch of that specific event where now it was heavily virtual with a very limited in-person audience. And so I have been talking through this with a number of clients, not just for this year, but even looking ahead for 2022. Um, and so I felt it was kind of current and something that you and I could talk about on this podcast and hopefully share with our listeners if this resonates with them at all and decisions they're trying to make as event pros. Yeah, I'm super glad that we're having this conversation because as Logan said, it's really current and it's something that I feel like everybody's talking about. So it's time for us to talk about it and share share our thoughts with you as well. And I'm excited to learn during this episode as well. So I'll be doing a lot of um, questions for Logan. Logan is going to share a lot of her knowledge with us today. So I'm looking forward to it. Hope you all are too. And so we'll just dive right in with, we always like to start kind of at the basics for those that might appreciate that. And so when we're talking about events, I think most of us know this now, but just in case, what is a hybrid event? What's considered a hybrid event versus like an in-person only or virtual only event? Yeah. So I would call a hybrid is where you have both a in-person and a virtual component. So meaning attendees can join your program by coming physically to the physical venue that you're hosting your event at, or they could join online. And that can look different. Like anything online could be a Zoom link. It could be an actual built out virtual event platform. It could be a live stream. It could be on YouTube, but there is a virtual element is kind of what we're calling hybrid. And if all of these words are still kind of making your head spin, Mary knows I love analogies. So I always say it's helpful to think about it like it's live sports. So for those of the folks in the Seattle area, you know, it's like going to a Seattle Seahawks game or I'm a Philly girl. So go to a Philadelphia Eagles game. And there are certain people who will pay money for tickets to come and physically watch the Eagles or the Seahawks in person at the venue. And they have a whole experience there. They have food, they have drinks, there's entertainment, and they get to watch the football. There's also people who don't pay for the tickets and maybe they live in the, in the town but can't afford it or they are in a whole other state and they're going to watch it on TV. So they are watching the TV program. And so that's how I kind of describe a hybrid event because that is a hybrid event. There's a virtual audience, the TV audience, and there's an in-person audience, the ticket hold, season ticket holders and people who've bought tickets. So that's kind of how I help you think through the, the content is the football, but a lot of the other parts of the content don't apply to both people. So they're both there to watch the, they're both watching football, but the ads that you see on TV are not being shown in the arena. The food and drink that you're getting in the arena is not what you're probably eating at home, or at least you're hopefully not getting charged like you do at an in-person experience, but they're different. And so, and then talking about what's in-person only, meaning you are making it that there is no virtual offering at all. It's just an in-person event. You physically have to come to the space and that's it. I, okay. So I really love this analogy. Like it's making a lot of sense in my brain. And I think it's because I recently went to a Mariners game. And so I'm like, yeah, yeah, you're right. And so that actually leads me to a question, which I'm going to ask now, but maybe we'll get to it in a little bit, but it is the, the question that I think a lot of people have. And when I talk to clients, this is one of their first questions when it comes to hybrid events. And that is, well, how is it going to be as interactive for people who are watching it virtually? So they are interacting in the virtual component of the hybrid event. Like, are they going to have the same engagement opportunities and things like that? Because if I'm sitting at home watching sports, which like, I don't really do that. I'll be honest. But if I'm sitting at home watching sports, then all I'm doing is watching like in the, it doesn't, you know, like that, that's, that doesn't necessarily take place this level of engagement. But I think what we're talking about here is slightly different. There, um, there are different types of events that do offer or require these levels of engagement from both audiences. So 
with all that being said, I guess there's like a million questions I could ask. So I actually might just ask, what do you think about that, Logan? I agree with you. I think it, and that's, that's like the important question really what it comes down to when you're walking a client or you are thinking about this for your event. Do you do hybrid? Do you do in-person only? How do you decide? You do have to think through some of that engagement pieces because there's parts of that that are a lot easier in person, but there's also parts of engagement like a chat box and interact, you know, your emotion, the little like uh, pop-ups you can do in Zoom of like thumbs up and clapping that are a lot easier to implement virtually versus trying to force that in person. So there, there's like positives and negatives to it. And I would challenge that even when you're watching, like you're watching the Mariners and they actually did this in their broadcast. One of the ways they engaged folks who were watching at home is they had a hashtag and I honestly can't remember the hashtag, but it was on Root Sports, um, one of our local sports channels. And they were asking you to send in a picture and tag, use that hashtag on social media of you with your Mariners gear. And then they showed those during the TV broadcast. And I did notice they did cut a couple times to the arena where they were showing those photos up, up in the big screen in the arena. And the pictures were a variety of people who clearly were at the game and those that were actually in all different places. So that's a way to kind of create engagement between your virtual and your, your in-person audience. But I also think you can treat them as two different audiences and have two different completely separate needs. I love that. Okay. I think we should talk more about that. But before we do, we're going to kind of back step a little bit. So can you talk us through the thought process that you've had with clients? Like, cause I'm sure, I mean, I guess I don't know. Maybe they come to you and they're like, should we do hybrid? Or maybe they come and they're like, we're doing hybrid. Can you make this happen? So if they are kind of more have a pause and they're like, uh, how do we get started on this? Like, what does the process look like? How do you decide if hybrid is right for them? Yeah, I've been a, kind of brought in all throughout the process. So like I said at the top of the f- first, I would say true hybrid since COVID that I will say that I did, it was a um, corporate meeting. They're like midway, mid-year meeting. And I got brought in just to do the virtual side and it was going to be on site. I was going to be at the venue, but in a little like broadcast truck. So we could broadcast the live stream out to everybody virtually. And then I was kind of privy to that process where they had to realize Delta was surging at the time really badly in Seattle. And they didn't think people felt comfortable. They didn't feel comfortable. So they then swapped what was going to be several hundred people in person with maybe a hundred online, the complete inverse of that. So they had probably a hundred in person and several hundred online. And the whole time I just kept reassuring them as the beauty of what we were using. We were using Vimeo. We were streaming to Vimeo as the live stream player. There's no limit to the number of people who can watch our live stream. So it wasn't about trying to fit more chairs in or anything like that, or we weren't charging them per person who watched. Like it was very scalable. So I thought that was very smart of them just to even have started with having a hybrid component because the kicker here is if you just do virtual or you just do in person, they're going to not comparable price wise, but those are two different budgets. But if you're going to do hybrid, you're going to pay more than you would most likely for just in person or for just virtual. And some people in the virtual world save money because they don't have to pay for food and drink for their guests, but they had to spend a lot on a platform in person people, you know, you have to get that food and drink. It's a little bit riskier doing it in person because then you have deposits on physical spaces in the hotel and things like that. So it's, it's different. I guess the process it would be, I usually talk budget would be where I would start um, of understanding what their, what their goal is. What do they want to accomplish by making it hybrid or by doing it all in person or doing it all virtual and then making sure that their budget kind of aligns with what they want because you can want a lot of things. You could want to have a live sporting event broadcast, but like ESPN and NFL, you know, and 
uh, Fox NFL or CBS that broadcast the NFL games, like they have huge budgets and that's how they're able to bring you such a great program that you're watching at home. Um, so it does sometimes come down to budgetary constraints. We want to encourage you, our listeners, to also start a podcast if you'd like. We do our podcast through Anchor, and it has been amazing. It really streamlines the process as far as pushing out episodes. It pushes them to the major podcast platforms. It's how you're listening to this right now. And so it's also a great landing place for a general web page for our podcast. So if somebody wants more information, we can send it to them. So if you're interested in recording your own podcast, we encourage you to use Anchor. So make sure you download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.f. FM. That's anchor.fm to get started. Yeah, I'm walking through this process with some potential clients right now for next year. And so it is like a big question. And you're right, budget, oh, of course. But then also I was thinking, I think we also talk about their audience as well, right? Because it's like, do you have the audience that would benefit from this hybrid experience? Would they go and this is where I've said many times before, like, and if you're not sure, they should just ask them. People love to give their opinions, like send a survey out and see if they would go in person versus virtually, or then you could decide what makes sense. Um, so I think like when you know the audience as well, that's probably going to be super helpful. Um, and another thing probably is location for your audience as well, because if your audience is located all over the place then hybrid and virtual are awesome. I, in my opinion, that's what it seems like. That's when it would really be a good bang for your buck. But if you're like a local, like I'm part of um, some like chapters of organizations that focus just in our area. I don't think hybrid would be great for that because everybody lives right next to each other. So we could all go to an in-person event if we were able to, or, you know, just virtually. I don't know. So this is a, this is a process I think through. I don't know if it's helpful or if it's right. I'm still trying to figure it out, but yeah. audience seems important. Yeah. No. Yeah. That, um, the, I mean, nail on the head. Yeah audience where they are who they are and if you're sitting here being like logan i have no idea who my audience like what my audience wants that's usually a kicker a sign for me that you maybe need to think about hybrid but maybe you think of a leaner hybrid setup whether that means something smaller for the people who are actually in person versus a really big venue or a more basic live stream setup um i did like a virtual um or a hybrid summit that was just 20 people total and they ended up having eight in person and 13 online and we did it all through zoom and we were able to diy it but it still required someone myself to like produce it on the virtual side to make sure everything was set up and running how you know how it needed to um so i think that i guess when i come back to budget i always think budget because i think that's just one of the hard constraints as well is something that I always bring up with clients is also thinking through, is it easier for you as the organization, as the planners, as the people to plan for hybrid because you've essentially put in a backup plan of not knowing if your audience, your audience could say, I want to come back in person, but I don't feel comfortable right now. Or I feel comfortable right now in October, but I don't know how I'm going to feel in February. And so having kind of that dual offering covers you as the organizer to be able to cater to whoever your audience is. But I think you're totally right, Mary. Like sometimes some people, you you as the organizer know them best and know that if, is this something we want people to come back to in person? Um, and they're going to really care about that. I, I have a virtual event I'm doing actually tonight, which I'm really excited about that is not recorded. It's going to be a hundred, it's just a hundred percent live. You had to be there. We're not recording it. So it's having some of that in-person element of the, the, you had to be there to see it, which is kind of fun. And that's a different way to play with you know, the medium of doing something virtually. Um, 
but I think hybrid is not necessarily the right solution for everybody, but it's definitely something that you should be thinking about, but knowing it in mind that it's probably going to be more expensive than just in-person or just virtual. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I was thinking through, maybe we could talk about some like examples, like you've already given some and maybe we can keep kind of talking about that. Cause when I think of hybrid, that's helpful for me um, is to see how other people have done it. And so I, this has been making me think about others that I've seen. So I think recently I saw, I don't even remember what it was for, but they used a um, production studio, like live streaming studio to do an event. And so they were there and there it looked like from a photo that they had like um, 10 bistro tables and they actually had part of their audience there. And I was like, oh, that's a good idea because you already are renting the production space. So it's like you don't need an additional venue space. Have you seen that before? I was super intrigued. I have. There's been a couple venues here in Seattle I know that have like have pivoted, the P word, pivoted into building themselves out as more of something that's set up to do that. Exactly. To do a vir- originally virtual. And I think everyone saw the writing on the wall that hybrid's going to be a thing. Mary and I, before we started recording this, I was laughing. I was like, this is a very topical, it's very topical right now. Um, but I think it's also topical forever because we've essentially like broken through the virtual ceiling by taking away anything in person. We've all now gotten used to doing some things virtual that it'll forever be a tool in your event planner toolkit to offer to do an event virtual or to offer to do something hybrid because yeah, again, there's no one stop. There's not one solution fits all. Like we're not all of a sudden going to just turn, flip a switch and go back to hundred percent in person. So I think those venues that saw that and started, yeah, building out something that you could live stream from, you could host a small audience in are smart. Cause like you said, it's a, it's a one-stop shop. It's better bang for your buck if you're the person paying for the event. Yeah, absolutely. I think probably like being outdoors too would be a helpful type hybrid event. Um, that being said, I don't know about the production piece outdoors. Like you have to make sure you have like the equipment that you need to have. But then I'm just thinking through like, if you can get your hands on a space, that's like not very expensive that's going to decrease your hybrid costs. So to me, that's like motivating. And maybe that's motivating to somebody else because then it's like more possible to try to take that hybrid step in that way. Something else I was thinking too, is that um, if you, if maybe if you are an organization or involved in an organization or company that hasn't gone virtual, because you've been like, you just can't decide throughout this whole pandemic and you kind of have waited it out or done something different. I would say in my opinion, and I feel fairly strongly about this, but is that if you are ever going to go virtual, you should really do it now or soon because people are forgiving now. They are still showing grace when it comes to that because we know that we're all kind of taking on this new thing. But as time goes on, the expectations are going to increase. And so at that time, it's like, well, <laughs> people, I just, I'm afraid people aren't going to be as forgiving. So if now's the time to figure it out, that I'm not trying to like scare anybody into it, but I do think that this is something that we need to pivot to like it needs to happen it needs to have happened um if it makes sense for your audience of course and then on top of that this leads into hybrid because once your audience is familiar with the virtual component of an event then they're going to be more familiar with hybrid so it's like first they need to understand virtual they already understand most likely the in-person aspect so at that time then you're more probably likely to be successful combining them that's just something i've been thinking about yeah yeah oh no i mean that's Again, it's like all all really, really relevant and just thinking, I already think, not to like counter a little bit, I think expectations already are higher for attendees. I've heard some yeah. horror stories yeah. 
recently about people who paid a lot of money for a virtual ticket to a hybrid event and it didn't work. Like the stream didn't work and the organizer was having to either refund or offer money back or, oh, no. you know, mm-hmm. they were like, it just didn't work. They, like the stream, we couldn't see anything, we couldn't hear, and they were having connectivity issues at the venue, in the in-person venue. So the in-person event happened, but the whole live stream part of it just kind of like broke down. And now you have a lot of people out there who've had a negative experience with your brand or your company or, you know, your event. So it's it's one of those that our expectations are higher. I think people are really forgiving with free events. So events where you're not charging or you are charging a nominal fee versus if you're charging like $300 for something. So again, if you've been hesitant, I think just get out there and try it and you'll figure out what works for you because that's the other part. We talk about virtual event platforms at times too, where there's no one-stop solution. Same thing for like a live streaming hybrid, the the virtual side of your hybrid event. It could look different at every one of your events. It could look different for every different client in terms of what, again, budget is really where it comes down to of how many cameras can you afford? What kind of audio? But these are things that you probably didn't have to think about at your in-person only event that you now would have to have those conversations for a virtual event, for a hybrid. And one of them is really thinking, it's like, where does the camera sit? So like if you're doing, you know, if you go hybrid, Mary, with one of your fundraising galas that were in a ballroom, where does the camera sit? And you probably need more than one camera. Right now, my advice, if you're planning a hybrid event, have at least minimum two camera angles. I actually would love three. two that are manned by someone who's moving them and changing them based on what you're focusing on, based on your programming. And a third one that actually faces the audience and you don't need a camera person to operate it. You just need it set up at the beginning of the show. And that's when you have a bigger budget and it can afford cameramen. You know, that's what I would advise. I DIY'd it with the one that I did on Zoom. That was that summit. And by using two computers and we faced one computer down the table so you could see all the attendees who were in person. And we had one computer that faced where the speaker would sit. So we at least had two camera angles for those that are joining virtually so they could feel like they were a part of the event. I also heard someone say, and Logan, I don't even know, maybe, was this you? I don't know. Someone told me that they either did or suggested that in a hybrid event that you have an MC that is just for live and just for, uh, sorry, so just for in person and just for the virtual component. So two different MCs, which would obviously have to be a lot of logistics like you'd really have to script out your programming but I liked that idea because I was like that's like the ultimate level of audience involvement if you have someone who's directly focused in on each audience I liked that idea a lot because I think that's the biggest fear everybody has is like are they gonna have FOMO and feel like they aren't getting you know it's just not the same experience when they're virtual versus in person so I don't know it's interesting Yes. And I think I love that idea with two MCs. Again, comes down to budget. Can you afford to hire two people to do it? And thinking through some of the program transitions. But again, to me, that comes down to like the intentionality of like, is there a reason you're doing hybrid? Or are you just doing it to say that I'm doing it? Because pre, you know, in 2019 and before then, there were a lot of events that did a hybrid event. We probably weren't calling it hybrid, but they'd have a live stream capability. I know a lot of like the TEDx organizations do it. And it used to be, you know, one camera, maybe far back, you know, zoomed in on just the speaker. And that's, that's what you would see. And the speaker would walk in and out of frame and that camera was set up that live stream and it was free or maybe really, you know, affordable to watch that. And that was our expectation. And maybe there was a chat box. I don't honestly remember, but um, there probably was. And that was like the limit of, of engagement that we were used to if we opted not to go in person. But like you said, Mary, now we're thinking about that. And you as an organizer need to decide, are you going to prioritize one group over the other? 
Meaning like, do you really want to, do you want to create FOMO? Do you want people to come to the in-person event? And so the virtual side, they get it, but they're also going to notice they don't get some of the other cool stuff or their in-person exclusive sessions. Um, or, or are you trying to make them both equal and you want them to be engaged, but maybe in different ways. So like two MCs would solve that problem because you'd have two different people looking after them. The big thing you want to avoid is just that virtual is an afterthought because again, now that we have more experience with it as a, as guests and as a organizers, it is more noticeable and people will turn off and leave your event because they'll know that they were an afterthought. So that's one, like that other event example I gave where I'd heard the horror story that it just didn't even work. That's like, I'm like, mm -hmm. I bet they did a ton of testing for the in-person part and they must've just, I think they phoned it in on the Wi-Fi connection or like the internet connection. Oh no. <laughs> you know, and that's like, that makes or breaks the virtual side of your event. And yeah. clearly in the, you know, in the testing process, something went wrong um, where maybe they were, they, it was just an afterthought. It wasn't something you thought about. So you don't want to ever exclude if people take the time to come to your event, you want them to feel welcome. And I think you have to think about how you would do that both virtually and in person. Yeah. One thing I, I want to say to you, and I, I don't know how much we want to get into this, but in, in something else I think that's important to point out is that hybrid also seems like a, a more like inclusive option. And I know that's something that's really important. And so to me, if you, you're just providing the opportunity for more people to be able to participate for whatever reason. And so whether it's because it's a different ticket price, because it might be cheaper to go virtual to the virtual component or, you know, for whatever reason, to me, it just makes it more accessible, more inclusive. And I love hybrid for that reason. I also think that it's going to become a lot more popular for that reason. And I think this is something that the, the industry needs. So although it might sound overwhelming, it's also very exciting. I, I think it's going to be a really good thing. I'm so excited. To be honest, I think it's going to you know, it's shaken up the industry in ways that hopefully that just makes in-person events like more exciting, more immersive, more a total experience that you get to be a part of and less of the, oh, I've already gone to event, like 15 other events that are very similar to this. It just has yeah. a different color scheme. You know, there's like, I get so excited. I'm getting like so riled up. I get so excited about <laughs> intentionality. And it's like, is there a reason you want me to come in person? Is this event all about connecting and meeting new people, which is very hard to replicate virtually, but also you and I have met so many friends virtually, so you can do it. It just depends on what's the goal of the event. Uh, but I, again, I think hybrid is such a, a fun way to accommodate, you know, accessibility to different people. And really like, we don't know what people's comfort levels are as an event planner. I like to think I can kind of guess and know my attendees. And I did back in 2019, but nowadays, I mean, our, our, our assessment of the risk of COVID and you know, being out in public or being in crowded spaces, it's very personal. So that's really hard for you as the organizer to say with 100%, you know, accuracy that you're going to know how many of your attendees want to go. So by doing hybrid, and especially if you do it for a smaller event, maybe a smaller budget, a very basic setup um, on the AV, the AV side of things, at least get a start to feel, okay, how many people did say yes to coming in person? And how many people did to actually tune in to the uh, live stream, an organization I volunteer with, we're doing that for an event next week. And we just set up different tickets in person or virtual. And we're actually right now, probably 50, 50, <laughs> we have 50% of the people have bought a, or, you know, signed up for a virtual ticket and 50% have said they're coming in person, which I don't think anyone on our organization would have been able to guess that kind of a number, but we're only learning by doing it. That's interesting. Yeah. So we love tips here on the podcast. So Logan, how should we end with our tips? Should we say, key tips on how they can decide if they should go hybrid or maybe like if they do decide the first steps that they should take, where do you want to go with this? Yeah, I think 
if you are someone who's thinking through, you're thinking about having a hybrid event, just start thinking through who your audience is, what's your budget, what is your, what are you trying to actually accomplish with the event? And if you do decide to make the, the move to a hybrid event, your biggest budget item that is probably going to change from your normal in-person um, budgets would be your audiovisual, your AV. Because now not only do you need um, equipment that is going to get your sound and your audio, your video and everything in the room, in the physical space, but now you do need some extra equipment that is going to push it somewhere online. And so that cost is going to go up for you in terms of the physical equipment you need and probably the number of people. Mary, you made a great point about those two MCs, one for virtual, one for in-person. I'd say behind the scenes, you really need a producer or someone, an event person who is running the in-person part and another person who is who is running the virtual. And they work closely together. There's a lot of things that overlap, but they should be separate. They should be two people and not one person because if it's a very basic setup of an event, maybe you could pull it off. I had a client ask me to do that and I started literally having like split brain <laughs> where I was like, I don't, there's going to be moments where something happens online and I'm going to need to have the show keep going in person. I can't then pull from running it in person to all of a sudden troubleshooting online. You need two people. Um, so those would be, I'd say, personnel and your physical equipment. And then our last, my last one would be, unfortunately, Wi-Fi, internet. A lot of these venues, these hotels we've been to that were great in-person venues years ago, they now are going to, they're going to charge you for the Wi-Fi. And the Wi-Fi is even more important now. And um, I've just been finding from some quotes I've gotten for hybrid events next year, um, costs have gone up. And to have like a dedicated hard-lined internet connection is pretty pricey. Uh, or you can get a, you know, a dedicated like Wi-Fi connection, but you just really need to bring in somebody who knows the audio and visual needs because I will say the basic quote I've been getting from hotels does not include a fast enough speed for live streaming. So those would be my tips. <laughs> Love it. Love it. Well, if you have more questions, please reach out. We love, this has been a great conversation for me. I've learned a lot. So I hope everybody else has as well. And just uh, looking forward to what hybrid events bring. So if you have any great hybrid event stories, actually, please reach out genuinely because I would love to hear them. We both would love to hear them. And so reach out and tell us what they are. Or if you have horror stories, actually, you might as well reach out too, because maybe we can we learn. like them both. Like our, yeah, like like our episode both. last week, we, we've talked about it a lot of like all about you know, you can learn stuff. We like to laugh and you, you you can laugh off the horror stories, but there's always something to learn. And I will say I reached out to, I think she was our episode six, Vanessa, one of our, our guests, if you haven't heard her episode about um, RFPs, I called her a couple months ago when I got my first hybrid event um, role. And I called her because she posted on LinkedIn being like, I just ran a hybrid event and I learned a lot. And I was like, texted her. I was like, we need to have a call because I want to know what you just learned so I can apply it to to my event. So I think it really all falls in line with our, you know, our, our goal here of creating like a community and being that resource for each other of always just getting to learn from different people's experience. Absolutely. Well, now it's time for our bonus tip. So I have the bonus tip again today. So my, my tip is if you are looking for clients, you might want to try LinkedIn jobs or even indeed any place where jobs are posted. And this is what I mean. I think especially because we're in the pandemic right now, in my experience, I've gotten some really secure leads. I'll let you know if they lead to anything. I don't know, but <laughs> some really secure leads of um, companies or organizations that are trying to hire a full-time event person. 
And so I reach out and I'm like, if you need any help in the interim, let me know. And then it kind of turns into something more as in they're trying to decide if they need that person in-house or if they want to outsource it. So it becomes a completely different conversation. And I think it's because a lot of companies or organizations maybe aren't thinking of it. And so it's like, I present them with the idea and they're like, oh my gosh, well, let's think about this. So I'll let you know if it leads to anything, but that might be helpful for you. So just might as well, right? I mean, it's like what we always talk about. You might as well reach out and see what happens. If nothing else, you're getting your name out there for maybe potential support at a future time. So check out those jobs that are being posted and see if you could assist them in some way. That's my bonus tip for the day. It's a fun place to think about for event leads. I love it, Mary. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of our episode for this week. You can follow us on Instagram at Better Events Pod. You can email us at bettereventspod at gmail.com. Please send us your hybrid stories or your hybrid questions because the, the space is always changing. But we appreciate you taking the time to listen today, and we will be back with you again next Wednesday. Mm-hmm.